You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Woo! How we doing? I'm jacked up off coffee. And I had a cinnamon roll, so there's some sugar in my system too. So I'm feeling pretty fired up on this Friday morning. I uh, I'm pretty happy, man. I'm in a I'm in a really good mood, and uh, I am excited to launch this episode. Um, I was gonna do something completely different, but this is what is on my mind right now. And so I did a podcast about it. It's about hunting rules and regulations. And if you want to go check out the uh, the YouTube channel. We have it up there as well, the Sportsman's Empire YouTube channel. Uh, we have the, the full interview there as well, the video version. And you guys, can, you guys can check that out if you like. Go subscribe. But here's what I've been thinking about lately. I've been thinking about a couple questions and uh, a couple polls that I have taken in uh, recently on Instagram. And the outcome of those polls, and I know I have a very limited uh, amount of people uh, that answered that compared to like a statewide study, I, uh, but it gives me an insight into the demo, my demographic, I would say, the demographic who follows me in the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Empire. But it just had me thinking, like there's a rule in place, for example, a majority of the people don't like this rule or don't like this regulation. Why is your why does your state have it then? And so it leads me to have these conversations with myself and, and others about if the majority of people don't like something, why why is it the way it is? Especially when deer uh, talking about deer hunting rules and regulations. Now, if it is strictly a management rule and regulation, meaning, hey, we need this to keep deer numbers at bay, or we need this to, um, you know, uh, to manage the natural resource in a specific way, 100% get it. But the example that I'll use here is that the um, a majority of people who answer the poll wished their gun season was pushed out of the rut meaning maybe the last week in november or even into december similar to iowa iowa setup and so what this leads me to believe is that that rule and regulation although it has probably been in um you know it's been around in certain states forever and there's a lot of people who who like it if there's also a lot of people who don't like it then I feel like they should have a voice too. The people, and there should be this communication between the people who are on one side of the fence and the people who are on the other side of the fence uh, on on a certain topic, and communicate and say, "Hey, what is best for the natural resource? What is best for the deer herd? And what is best for uh, us as a group to get more of what we want?" With the um, uh, the outcome here of being 
for example, of, of this topic is, hey, man, all of our our two and three year olds are getting smoked every gun season because it's right in the middle of the rut. If we move that out, maybe a couple uh, of these deer make it through and we have an older age class of bucks, which makes our state more desirable, which makes people happy because I'll tell you what, um, there's a lot of people out there who bitch and complain about not having big bucks in their state. But if they shot a big buck, they would be very happy, right? And so, I don't know. It's just, it's one of these things where we have to do less pointing fingers and more talking about some of these problems. Um, You know, all hunters unite under one voice and then communicate of what we like, what we don't like with the Department of Natural Resources and not let that be influenced by certain politicians, right? And that's what this whole conversation is about today. Uh, I'm going to kind of cut it off there and, and let you listen to the episode. The guest today is John Hudspeth of the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. He's also on the Sportsman's Empire Network. And uh, we talk about if he's happy with the rules and regulations in Oklahoma, if I'm happy with the rules and regulations in Iowa, and, and how people are, how these rules and regulations change, and who influences them, things like that. And so um, it's, a, it's a really good conversation. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. So I'm just going to get into the, the commercials now, and then uh, we'll get right into the episode. So if you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. Uh, Tethered has a full lineup of saddle, saddle hunting accessories, climbing sticks. Um, I'm missing something here. Sla- uh, platforms. If you want to become a better saddle hunter, go check out Tethered and their like their all their media that they put out, all the content that they put out is designed to make you a better uh saddle hunter as well so go check out tethered uh wasparchery.com i'm just going to give you the discount code right now nfc20 and really what that is is a 20 percent discount code for all of wasps products and why do i work with wasp is because i am confident in that equipment i i feel like if that broadhead hits a deer uh even on a marginal shot it's going to cause a ton of destruction and it's going to you know, it's going to lead me to a recovery. And so you put, you put one of those on a marginal shot, it's going to lead to recovery. But if you also do it in a, uh, a very, in the sweet spot, the heart and the lungs and, and whatnot, you're looking at a very short blood trail and a, a deer that dies very quickly. And ultimately that's what we want. Wasparchery.com vortex optics. If you're looking for spotting scopes, binoculars, red dots, rifle scopes, range finders you need to go check out vortexoptics.com not only that but did you know that they have a really really popular apparel line and i wear t-shirts they sent me a box of uh, t-shirts and hoodies and and hats and, and even socks and i think there's more apparel coming down the line these guys this vortex apparel line is badass man it's the comfortable t-shirts awesome logos and it kind of lets you know like every once in a while I'll, uh, when i'm walking in a grocery store i'll see a guy with a vortex hat and we lock eyes because i'm wearing a vortex hat he knows i'm a badass i know he's a badass and we just kind of look at each other and like mm, yeah you, you know you, the the i respect you nod and then we keep moving so go check out vortexoptics.com and uh, last but not least hunt stand right this time of year if you're you're looking probably maybe at an out-of-state hunt or you're looking uh, e-scouting on a property that you want to hunt you're sitting in your cubicle at work or or you're you're rocking your baby to sleep and as you're rocking the baby to sleep you're scrolling through hunt stand trying to find pinch points trying to find uh, access routes trying to find uh, you know south facing slopes trying to find you know uh, where to park your truck who the landowner is all that kind of stuff right and what that does is allows you to journal and document everything that you see and and put it on hunt stand and then you can reference that at a later date and the more data points you have on a map the more information you have that allows you to make better decisions to get closer to deer or whatever game you're trying to track. And so uh, go check out huntstand.com, read up on all the functionality and take a look at the pro whitetail platform while you're there as well. So uh, tethered wasp huntstand vortex. And last but not least, last but not least, I say that twice, but uh, it's uh, 2% for conservation. Go check out fishandwildlife.org if you want to become 2% for conservation certified. And what that means is you're giving 1% 
of your time and 1% of uh, monetary uh, contribution to not 2% for conservation, any conservation organization that you want at a local level, at a national level. Um, it could be bees, it could be birds, it could be deer, it could be worms. Whatever conservation effort you want to support, that will get you 2% for conservation certified. Great organization. Uh, go read up fishandwildlife.org. And now we're done with the, the how I make my money. So I appreciate you guys. Go to iTunes. Please leave a five-star review. Go and, and comment. Let's let's create a community on the Nine Finger Chronicles and the, and the, um, uh, the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Empire Instagram pages. And let's communicate. Let's talk. Let's have conversations because ultimately that's what we want, right? We want uh, to create a community and this big voice to let everybody know that, hey man, don't mess with us hunters. So uh, there's that. Enjoy the episode and we'll talk to you next time. Two, one. All right, all the way from Oklahoma on the phone with me today, Mr. John Hudspeth. John, man, what's up? Not much, man. It's been uh, been pretty good. Um, my wife and I, we've been doing Whole30. Do you know what that is? So like, no, I don't. Uh, what, what's Whole30? Uh, it's it's one of those diet things where it's basically like meat, vegetables, and fruits. You know, no bread, no soda, no alcohol, anything like that. Okay. And uh, I, I've known a lot of people who've done it, and usually like you know, it's like people on Facebook, and they're like, oh, you know, day three, I feel so much better. Day four, and you know, I see all this improvement. I'm I'm on day fourteen, and like those people are, they're full of bullshit, man. It's terrible. <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, that's I, I funny. Still, oh yeah, I, uh, I I I'm not a coffee drinker. I normally drink yeah. Red Bull, which obviously is terrible for you. Like I know that. <laughs> and uh, I I was in Home Depot yesterday, and I walked by like the Red Bull fridge, and my mouth just like immediately started watering. Like all the cravings <laughs> are still there. Uh, yeah. So so that's that's how I'm doing. Welcome to the that show. Is, that is. That is hilarious. That might have been, uh, I needed that laugh today because, uh, and I've been through that before, man, I would say about two years ago, I was just a slob. Like I didn't really work out too much. Mm -hmm. I maybe a little over two years ago and I didn't really work out too much. I didn't, I I, I was eating, I was that guy who would like eat supper and then eat supper again. Like Mm -hmm. I would, I just was a slob, man. Anyway, and so I started doing uh, like this high protein diet. I, it wasn't really anything specific, just eat. I was still eating carbs. I was eating less carbs, but way more protein and way more clean protein, like, uh, you know, just straight uh, chicken breasts or, or deer meat mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And so, uh, and so when I started that, everybody's like, oh, this is so good for you. So good for you. All I wanted to do was crush blizzards from Dairy Queen. Man, I just had, <laughs> like, just like you and your Red Bull. Every time I would drive by a Dairy Queen or like a Culver's or some kind of ice cream shop, my steering wheel would just kind of slowly mm-hmm. start turning yep. in that direction. And yep. willpower, willpower sucks, man. I, I, I don't does. have very much of it. Yeah, I have willpower, willpower with a lot of things, but not food, as you can see by my you know, physique here. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least you're on the right direction. Are you? Are you matching the diet or the the new diet with a a workout routine at all? No, I I had every intention to um, tried to, but so my wife is actually out of town right now. She works in yeah. youth ministry, and this is spring break, and so she is uh, on a, a spring break trip with the youth group, and so I okay. have our eight month eight month old baby all by myself this week, and uh, so that's a workout. <laughs> Oh yeah, working a full time job and uh, taking care of the baby and trying to do some podcasts and so yeah the, the workout has not the workout has not come yet. What is she? But I have, is she I have, sleeping right now? She is. Yeah, luckily she's been sleeping great. Uh, the time change actually worked in my favor because I can put her down and she falls asleep really good and she's basically sleeping an extra hour because of that. You know what yes. she used to wake up, and so that's actually turned out really well. So that's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hey, but you're a rancher, right? You were kind of you're a rancher, a farmer. So I, I was. I actually uh, okay. left the ranch a little while back. Uh, now I work for a, a custom home builder. 
Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yep. And so are, are you out moving around all day long? I am. Uh, not as much as when I was ranching, you know, not as much physical activity. Yeah, right. I did. When I left the ranch, I gained some weight pretty I, I guess I just didn't realize how physical I was out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now, like, I'm, you know, I'm outside a lot walking around, but I'm not like lifting stuff. You know, I'm not I'm not working. You know, I'm, I'm more of a manager. Yeah. And so gotcha. Uh, I, gotcha. that's that's part of what led into the whole 30 thing. I, I realized yeah. I need to lose a little weight. So now after you've done this, uh, you made that transition away from the ranch. Do you miss the ranch now? I do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it was kind of a mixture of, you know, working a ton. Like I was basically working 12 on two off at the ranch. Um, you know, cows got to eat every day. Yeah. And then, yep. uh, my wife was a little sick of, you know, living out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, so we moved a little bit closer to her family. Um, so I, I do miss it. Um, it's, it's been a little different hunting wise. Cause, uh, you know, I, like I, I hunted on the ranch and so, you know, yeah. I, like I'd, I'd work and if I got off early enough, I'd just go hunt. And so that, that was a little bit different this year. Uh, but still got some hunting time in, so no complaints. Yeah. And that's kind of a perfect transition into, you know, originally I wanted to get you on today and I wanted you to be part of the anything but deer hunting series that we've been uh, talking about on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast here. But a whole bunch of things have just kind of happened over the last month. And I just wanted, I just wanted someone to talk to uh, about them. And you're the person who was on the schedule <laughs> at this time, uh, so you're going to be the person who gets to talk about it now. Perfect. Um, lately, I've been posting a lot of questions on the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page about things like, "Are you happy with your state's rules and regulations?" Or, uh, you know, do you, would would you be willing to move your gun season? out of the rut basically it, later into December in order to establish maybe a higher age class of bucks and things like that. And it's pretty, it's pretty eye-opening um, the results compared to what the actual rules and regulations are in a specific state. And I know that I, I'm guessing anyway, uh, somebody brought this up that a lot of my followers are probably bow hunters first and then gun hunters second. Um, so that might be like an influence of how people answered certain questions, but I kind of want to pass it to you. Um, cause do you, do you hunt Oklahoma and Texas or just Oklahoma? I, I do. I, I hunt both. So, um, I have a buddy who has a big lease in West Texas that he basically gives me free reign of. Um, and he actually, he actually prefers people rifle hunt it instead of bow hunt it um you know he he tries to manage it pretty hardcore um not only does he prefer rifle hunt but he prefers you to have like a suppressor on your rifle to keep the noise down um a lot of it is about you know wind and busting deer you know with a rifle you can be further back um you know you're not right up there uh on the food plot or feeder or whatever so so yeah i, I do a decent amount of rifle hunting just because like i said he kind of prefers that um oklahoma i i I, I've I do more rifle hunting now than I used to actually. Um, I think part of that is because of the podcast. Like, you know, I'm trying to kind of relate to everybody in the state, and so yeah. I used to be very hardcore bow hunter. Still, am very hardcore bow hunter. But you know, when muzzleloader rolls around, um, I'm not afraid to pick up a muzzleloader for a few days. When rifle rolls around, I'll pick up a rifle for a few days. So yes, I, I would call myself a bow hunter absolutely, but I do do a decent amount of rifle hunting also. Gotcha. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about which, because your home state is Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to talk about Oklahoma here for a second mm -hmm. and I'll kind of uh, share my thoughts on Iowa. Are you, are you currently happy with the rules and regulations uh, that Oklahoma has for, for its deer hunters? <laughs> it's a little bit of a loaded question because yeah, I, I I'm in a situation where I am pretty happy with it, but it's because I get to benefit from it more than most mm -hmm. people. Um, just kind of why is that? Why is that? It, it's because the land we have and where we have it, um, I don't have a lot of hunting pressure around me. Um, you know, we're in a we're in a cattle area. We're not really in a farming area. The closest farm is a, a long ways away. Um, actually, our the county that we're in is one of the top cattle producing counties in the entire country so we're in yeah. cattle country 
but it just so happens that kind of right in our little pocket, we have a lot of timber and some draws and stuff that is fantastic deer habitat also. So I'm kind of in a little island, um, so I don't have to deal with a lot of pressure. But I will say, if I had to take a temperature across the whole state, a lot of people are not as happy as I am. Um, there's a you know, So we're a two-buck state, um, and you can actually – so you, you get two bucks total. You can kill two with a bow, or you can kill one with a bow, one with a gun, or you can actually kill one with a muzzleloader and one with a rifle. So you actually get okay. two gun tags total. Uh, okay. Now those seasons are, are very short. You have a one week muzzle loader and then you have a two week rifle. Uh, muzzle loader is pre rut, so it's the last week of October, and then rifle season comes in right at the end of the rut, so it's the last. Uh, well, it's the it always starts the Saturday before Thanksgiving and runs into the first week of December. So the third, and so the, the third week of November. Cor- correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so. A lot of people don't like that because the bucks are still kind of rutting then. That's when a lot of the bigger bucks are kind of up on their feet. You know, the rut's somewhat winding down. Those bigger bucks still have the energy to get out there. Um, Again, me and my little island, I kind of love it because, um, you know, I usually, self-imposed, I usually save one uh, tag for archery. You know, if I kill one with a muzzleloader, I'm probably not going to kill one with a rifle, vice versa. Um and so, you know, a lot of times maybe I've tagged a buck with my bow by then and I'll, you know, hunt with a rifle or if I haven't, I'm going to hunt with a rifle, but I'm going to, I'm going to only shoot a buck if it's, you know, big, mature, and I'm going to save my bow tag for another buck. Um, yeah. So again, kind of a loaded question because I, I don't mind it because of my little situation, but across right. the state, I mean, there's a very big push because everybody looks at, uh, you know, the Midwest and they see one buck states. Um, and they think that that's what they need. Um, but I don't know. I actually had, uh, the, uh, uh, the head of the D, um, what do we call ours? Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation yep. on a few months ago and asked him about some of these regulations. And, um, he, he almost rolled his eyes at the idea of making it a one buck state. Um, because, you know, according to their research, he said, it's not going to help that much. He said, you know, I think he said less than 10% of people ever kill more than two bucks in this state. You know, most people only kill one. Um, now, I, I heard a good argument against that. Sorry, I'm rambling. I'm all over the place. But no, go for I heard it. A good, I, I heard a good argument against that um, just a few weeks ago of, yes, people may only kill one buck, but because they have that second tag, they are they are probably more willing to shoot a buck with that first tag that they wouldn't shoot if they only had one tag. If that makes sense. Ah, gotcha. So, so they're 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 going out and they're saying, well, because I have two buck tags, mm-hmm. I can shoot. You know, I, I can shoot a a small buck or mm-hmm. a young buck, and then I'll kind of hold out until I Correct. get a a larger larger animal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, a while ago, you, like, do you remember, was it two years ago or something? How, how long has the Oklahoma uh, podcast been on the network? Uh, yeah, a little over two years. Okay, a little over two years. And so when we first started communicating and we, you know, like, dude, the hype, the, the, the state you wanted to be in uh, a couple of years ago, I mean, right up there with Iowa was Oklahoma. And dude, I think uh, for one, a couple of years, the most 200 inch deer coming out of any state, it was Oklahoma. And you were, you were frustrated that Oklahoma was getting that type of attention. Why? <laughs> uh, I mean, just like I, you know, I, Iowa has a little bit of advantage because y'all already have kind of the limited out of state hunters in place. And so yeah. y'all, y'all are already kind of set up to protect yourselves. But Oklahoma's not, uh, you know, it's yeah. go to Walmart, buy your tag. And, and not, you know, when you're, if you're an out-of-state hunter coming to Oklahoma, you go to Walmart, you pay $300, and they hand you six tags. You get two buck tags and four doe tags, or you can use all six on does. Um, and so, yeah, you know, a part of me was a little bit selfish in the fact that just like, yeah, the word was getting out. Um, you usually, you know, let's say somebody's going to come to Oklahoma for five days, you know, a rutcation or a long weekend or whatever, you know, if they're coming to public land for a few days, they're probably not going to be very picky on what they're shooting. And if they can shoot that many deer, um, you're just kind of asking for, for trouble if, if you're trying to grow quality deer. 
you can go to Walmart and you know pay three hundred bucks and you get six deer tags, um, two buck tags, four doe tags, or you can shoot all six does. Um, and so yeah, you know part of it was just selfishness. Um, you yeah. know, it's uh it's just really really easy for out of state hunters to come here. And you know if you're you know if you're an out of state or coming here, let's say you got five days to hunt or whatever, you know a rutcation or a long weekend or whatever you have all these deer tags you're probably not going to be super picky with you know what you're going to shoot mm-hmm. um now we you know we have a large deer herd um does is a big thing you know they keep upping the amount of doe tags they give us because we need to kill does but it's just kind of still in the culture here like nobody shoots does um and so you know they can give out all the tags they want but if nobody's shooting them it doesn't matter how many tags they give um yeah so yeah but yeah lots of lots of opportunities here so it's you know good and bad depending on the situation you're in yeah and so i can i can come down to oklahoma because my goal i I know i talked to you this about last year (laughs) it never happened but if i draw nebraska or excuse me if i draw kansas this year where i'll be hunting is probably only an hour from the oklahoma border so i'm Mm -hmm. thinking while i'm down there i might as well make it a a whole thing and try to Mm -hmm. hunt kansas and oklahoma uh in like this one big trip and mm-hmm. so, um, it, you know, again, it's easy for me to come down. Now, I can use any weapon I want as long as it's within the dates, right? Is uh, Oklahoma a crossbow state? Uh, they are a crossbow state. Um, there's one little caveat on the weapons, which I, I kind of like, and I think a lot of people do. So if you're a non-resident, you have to buy one license per weapon. So okay. um, so like if, if, if it's muzzleloader season, you can still use your bow. But if you want to also muzzleloader hunt, you have to buy another three hundred dollar license. So that is okay. one thing that I that I think they do well, because you know, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people from out of state who own land here. But even if they own land, they have to buy all those different licenses. So it's just a way that the state kind of gets a little extra bonus. So that that's right. one thing that I think they do well. Right. When you you know you talk with outdoorsmen. Um, from Oklahoma all the time in your state specifically, what are some of the biggest complaints that you hear from other hunters? Um, people not shooting does is actually a big one. Uh, you know, people yeah. who ha- have private land and are trying to manage for bigger bucks and, you know, they fill all their doe tags and they still have just as many does because their neighbor, you know, isn't shooting any. Um, that's a big one. The whole, <laughs> the whole two buck thing, man, it's, it's split kind of down the middle. Uh, you know, like me personally, I love it. Um, me on my little Island, I have plenty of mature deer. Um, I think this was my fourth year in a row to fill both my buck tags and the, the, I killed one four-year-old. The rest were all five to eight years old, you know, very mature deer. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of people like me that are kind of in that situation. Maybe they have a bunch of a private land to hunt. And it, it's awesome. Cause you get to hunt more. Uh, but there's a lot of people who maybe have smaller chunks um, or maybe they're in an area where they get a lot more pressure. It would love to see Oklahoma as a one buck state. Um, yeah, th- those are probably the two big ones. Um, there's definitely some people that would like to see that rifle push back a little bit. Um, t- to me, I think I think if you're if you're trying to grow mature bucks and you're worried that gun hunters are taking them out, I personally think it would uh, be more beneficial to adjust the muzzleloader season than the rifle season. Um, Because typically by that last weekend, you know, that last weekend of October when muzzleloader is still open, you know, you're, you're usually having some pretty good rut activity. If the weather cooperates, you know, if it gets cold, um, I I've seen and killed a lot of big bucks that last weekend of October. Um, And, you know, you're getting pre, rut so those big mature bucks you know they haven't had a chance to do any breeding yet um you know they're not passing on those genes so uh my personal opinion if you were really concerned about big bucks and wanted to change your gun season i would i would maybe move that muzzleloader up a week yeah i wish there was a poll that was taken that whenever someone would go hunting like what is your objective so like for me and you, our objective every year is to try to harvest a mature buck, right? Try to kill a, 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 something with a higher age class, big antlers. That's, that's our goal. And then our second objective, I don't know about what it is for you, would be 
to get uh, some meat in the freezer for the family. And usually, I'm not saying every year this happens because this year it didn't happen. But usually if I shoot a big enough buck, I have a lot of meat in my freezer because my family isn't a family of so, like sole deer meat. So I can typically accomplish my objectives of getting a big buck and filling my freezer for the year. Now, if I want to make jerky or something like that, then I'd have to probably get a dough. But I can accomplish those things relatively easy. And so some, some people probably don't have the same objectives as us. I, the, it'd be interesting to see what, what a state's objective is uh, and what the percentage of, of people like, hey, I live in Iowa. I want to shoot big bucks. I, I live in Iowa, but I only am interested in, in meat hunting or I am interested in only shooting does or I'm, you know, I'm only interested in turkeys or, or whatever their main objective is. And I think I just think that kind of information would be helpful on having the proper rules and regulations, not only for the deer herd itself, but for the people who who buy the tags in that particular mm -hmm. state. Yeah. Um, hey. Now, when it comes. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to, I got a question for you, if, uh, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. I also want to give you a chance to rant on your own state a little bit. So maybe this will yeah. feed into that. But uh, like the argument that I keep talking about and a lot of people talk about is, you know, if you want to grow big bucks, it's got to be a one buck state, got to be a one buck mm -hmm. state. Like that's almost across the board. People say that. Uh, and everybody looks to Iowa, as you know, is kind of the big buck capital and, and everybody wants to go hunt Iowa. But correct me if I'm wrong, technically Iowa is not a one buck state, right? In, I mean, in their situation where you can kill like three bucks? Yes. Okay. So here, here's how Iowa lays out. I can get my archery tag as a resident. I can get my archery tag and I can get a firearm tag. Now this firearm tag is one of the muzzleloader seasons or a shotgun tag. So I can get early muzzleloader, which then I can't get another buck tag for anything. I can get late muzzleloader. Um, which is the season that most people that's the late season tag that uh, a lot of people are interested in and and you can use uh, muzzleloader you can use um, they call it a primitive weapons tag so they uh, in a primitive weapon it includes muzzleloader archery equipment crossbows you know those those weapons and so you so that there I can get one firearm or late season tag, right? And then I can get one archery tag as a resident. So I can I can technically kill two bucks, two antler deer in the course of a year. Now, if I'm a landowner, a landowner is someone with four acres or more, according to the Iowa rules and regulations, <laughs> I can kill a third buck. I can get a uh, an additional any sex tag for being uh, a landowner. So if you own land, if you bow hunt and muzzleloader or shotgun hunt, you can kill three bucks in a, in a given year. Now, what the, from my experience, and this is just my experience, there's very little, just like you were saying about the, the number of people who actually fill both buck tags, there are very few people in Iowa who fill, especially landowners who fill all of those tags. Now we have to remember, and I'm sure a state like Oklahoma and a state like Iowa are, are similar from the priority. And it's, it's kind of changing in Iowa to the, in the Southern part of the state where the Mecca of deer hunting really is anything North of interstate 80 is, is not as coveted. Now there's still some decent deer hunting North of interstate 80, but the, the the mecca the iowa that everybody knows is south of interstate 80 um in like i don't know i'd say like six or seven counties across the bottom of the map now and along the mississippi river you can find them too so there's giant i mean there's don't get me wrong there's big deer but the coveted spots are the are south of the interstate 80 there and so kind of finishing up the statement here is I think very few people because Iowa and Oklahoma are still agriculture focused states at this time, the landowners aren't using, aren't necessarily using those tags to fill 
they probably have other people on their properties or mm -hmm. they lease out their properties or there's an outfitter on their properties. And so um, I would say that I'm, I'm like, for me, I'm really happy with the current rules and regulations uh, in, in the state of Iowa. One thing though, that, okay. And so this is where, you know, you've talked a little bit about Oklahoma and where the change, and, and I'm going to come back, I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to come back to Iowa, but you've mentioned a couple things that you'd like to see maybe change, maybe Oklahoma become a one buck state or the way I would look at it would be that maybe the non-resident, maybe keep, keep the residents happy, but change the non-resident tag to a one buck tag. And so the non-resident yeah, can still come in over the counter and take advantage of Oklahoma, give them as many mm -hmm. doe tags as they want, but only limit them to one, the non-resident to one tag. And so you're keeping, you're keeping the residents happy, but you're, and you're still giving the, you know, you're still giving the, the non-resident opportunity to hunt. Mm -hmm. You, so, you read my uh, mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You read my mind. That's uh, when I was, when I had that, uh, uh, that episode with the commissioner, I had it. Yeah. I mean, I got more responses on that episode than I ever had before. And that was probably the number one thing I got was yes. Let, let's let residents still have two. Let's let non-residents have one. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that would make a lot of people happy and, you know, you still get the tourism and, you know, the out-of-state dollars and all that good yep. stuff. Um, yeah. but you're still also kind of keeping it special for the residents. Exactly. Exactly. And cause, cause ultimately, man, like I understand a non-resident having a say for some part in, in the rules and regulations, if, if they want to come to our state and they want to whatever, you know, or whatever state they're going to go be a non-resident hunter in, you know, first and foremost, they have to abide by the current rules and regulations of this state, but like, don't complain about it. You know, like, don't say, you know, like, I see that being a benefit for the state of Oklahoma if you were to drop a non-resident tag uh, mm -hmm. off, or one of those tags off the non-residence um, option. Uh, I, I look at something like that, but a lot of it has to come down to what does the research and the data show? Does the research and the data show that, you know, we need to reduce that or we should reduce that or is there a complaint by the residents enough complaint by the residents of the state of oklahoma to warrant such a move and so um this is where the next question i have for you kind of comes into play and that is do you feel like in your state that you and a, you and other hunters have a voice that is actually being listened to by the by the department of wildlife mm -hmm. you know that's a great question um <laughs> part of me says that the the fact that i'm having to think about this so hard says no mm -hmm. um but i do feel like uh you know all of our all of our wildlife you know employees and people are hunters and stuff i know they get mm -hmm. out there They're, they have a, a bunch of outreach programs and so i definitely do think they're taking people's concerns into consideration um yeah. and you know but on the flip side of that part of their job is not necessarily tying an emotional side to it but trying to exactly. bring in the, the scientific side you know they're gathering right. the research they're gathering the harvest data um and so yeah that, that, that's a great question that i don't i don't have a good answer for um yeah. but i i guess i like to think that they do yeah absolutely you know, obviously the, with the goal uh, and and I would, I would assume, right. And, and I don't think, I don't think this is the case in, in, in a lot of States, the I'm, I'm assuming that all of the decisions that are being made at, uh, at a, at a rules and regulation level are in 100% benefit of the natural resource. So if it's a rule and regulation about Turkey hunting, well, the best interest is the turkey, the wild turkey, mm -hmm. or the rules and regulations for deer seasons, that the best interest is in the deer herd, the natural resource, right? And so when you start making decisions outside of that, um, that box, I, I'll, I guess I'll put it that box, 
then it's becoming more it's almost treating the natural resource as a commodity like cattle and less like the natural resource that needs to be really really managed in a very specific way right and so and so that kind of leads me to where where i'm getting at and this is where i'm struggling right now in iowa right and so there's a lot of rules and regulations that are being uh proposed through or through uh politicians here in iowa and so i'm just going to cover this one right now it's the crossbow and and we've had a a big crossbow debate on social media uh over the last couple weeks we've um I actually went to the Iowa Deer Classic and talked with a lot of people about rules and regulations for Iowa. And and the big one is crossbows, right? So if if the the residents of Iowa said, you know what? We want a crossbow season. We want to be able to enjoy crossbows. I would be more apt to hearing a conversation about crossbows uh, being implemented into Iowa during the archery season. But here's the truth. There is a company out of New York that owns a crossbow company and owns an airbow company. And so they did the math and they said that if we can get this bill passed in Iowa, the, we, we stand to make X number of dollars. So they hired lobbyists for very large amounts of money uh, in the state of Iowa to lobby other politicians in our state to pass this to pass this law, and so or to get this law passed. And so there's a couple senators or uh, you know p- politicians out there who are taking this money to you know say hey I'll help pass this bill, and they have no business doing that, right? They're not hunters. Right, they're not communicating with the Department of Natural Resources at all about this, and so the issue then comes is we have this outside influence trying to tell us what to do in our state, and that just severely pisses me off, right? <laughs> because if I said to you, John, "Hey, John, this is uh, these are the rules and regulations as a non-resident or as someone who may or may not even hunt, or I'm a business owner and I'm just going to pump some money into your system to try to get certain uh, rules and regulations passed in your state that benefit only me," right? I feel like you would have a problem with that. Oh yeah, it's funny you bring that up actually because I just had a listener a few days ago send me. That apparently there's a bill in Oklahoma right now about airbows, and that's, that's the and, same thing. That's the same yeah. thing in Iowa. Yeah, and, and and in the article I read, I don't know if it's you know same company different, but uh, apparently in the article I read, the airbow company was against it. Like the company, this company said, like, no, we do not think these should be used in archery season. Yeah, but yet there's there's somebody pushing for them to be legal in archery season. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's. Yeah. It's it's frustrating, I, and so that's where that's where I'm I'm frustrated at for for the, that's that's the big one. That's the big reason and why um, I have a problem with crossbows. It's it's not that I actually have a problem with crossbows because Iowa actually you can hunt in Iowa. Now there's some stipulations. You can use a crossbow in the late season during the the late muzzleloader season, right? Um, so we do have a crossbow season. Youth, elderly, uh, some, I guess it's how like the, the, the term elderly makes me think of someone really old, but I think it's 60 or 65. <laughs> I think it's 65. Then you can legally use a crossbow in Iowa. Or if you have a doctor's excuse, like mm-hmm. I can't pull back a bow because of my shoulder or I'm mm-hmm. missing a, an arm or a hand or, or something that will actually prevent me from drawing a bow back, mm-hmm. then you can use a crossbow with, with a doctor's note. And so and so, again, just saying, beating the dead horse here, but like the people of Iowa do not want this. We're not knocking down our, the doors to our politicians saying we want crossbows. It's it's somebody else from somebody some some other state that is, is wanting this done. And I don't know about you, but I don't I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean i I've heard all the arguments on crossbows and stuff, and 
Yes, I agree. You know, in the right situation, I think they're great. Um, I had one of my best friends growing up, his brother was born with kind of a disformed hand. He had a note mm -hmm. to use a crossbow before it was legal. You know, he had a doctor's note. Kids, yep. I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, older folks, yes, fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm torn just like everybody, you know. Yeah. The idea of having more people out there, you know, celebrating our sport. Yes, that's, you know, on the surface, that sounds fantastic. Um, you know, could those people just try a little harder and use a regular bow? Probably. Um, yeah. Or, you know, yes, make it to where it's not the entire archery season. That's also a good deal. I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth all the time on, on the crossbow. Right, right. And that's a, that's a personal opinion of ours, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. so for me, I love I love bow hunting. Right. And so, so when I post these, these questions on Instagram, the, it's oh, the, the comeback is, oh, so is compound, is a compound bow, a, a bow compared to a traditional bow? And um, well, yes, it is because you have to draw it back, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a crossbow, you don't have to draw it back. You can yeah. cock it like a gun, mm -hmm. put it to your shoulder. I mean, it's, it's a deadlier weapon. I got, I'm, <laughs> You know, I know a lot of that has to do with whose hands it's actually in and if those people practice. Mm -hmm. And so whatever. I'll, so uh, that's my big gripe anyway. Okay. I was, I was going to say, I can tell you one more crossbow thing that'd make you even angrier. So my, my buddy that I talked about in West Texas, he bought a crossbow this year because again, most of his stuff is set up for rifle hunters. He takes like business clients and clients, kids and stuff. Yeah. So he went out this year and he bought like the who's who of crossbow and uh I'll, I'll leave the brand out but uh anyway not only is it you know this crazy souped up crossbow but on top of it it has a range finding scope and and the scope i'm like i'm not talking about you push a button and it tells you how far it is i'm saying you push a button and adjust the crosshair for that distance to tell so like all you do <laughs> is put that on the deer and uh so yeah, and when it, it, comes it to shoots that, the deer for you, basically, and it, cleans it, and it, and it drags about. it to your truck. <laughs> yeah, just about. So that's uh, nuts, man. Yeah, yeah, that's nuts. So, I, and so, and so, like, what I'm getting at here is, and I want to, I want to give another example here. Mm -hmm. All right, so there's a couple other rules and regulations in Iowa that I'm against. Right. And what this does is it, you know, whenever you say you're against something, there's going to be a, another group of people who. They uh, they, they just go, go, oh, this guy's a prick. He doesn't want exclusivity or um, he doesn't want uh, people to actually be able. That was the wrong word. He doesn't want people to uh, come and hunt his state and do this. But I do. I love the current setup here at the state of Iowa. I don't want mm -hmm. anything to change. Right. There's some other rules and regulations that I, maybe I would change if I was in charge. But, you know, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm they don't affect me. I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about those. But the one the one other big one in Iowa that will have a well, there's, it's kind of two of them that are connected. One of them is non-resident tags. They want to up that again. They want to mm -hmm. uh, I think they want to add an additional like 1500 tags so it's going to jump from 6000 tags or something like that to fifth uh, to 7500 tags right mm -hmm. and so then they want a per certain portion of those allocated to outfitters right like man i just i'm not a fan of how the whole allocating tags to outfitter uh thing works do i have a problem with outfitters no because there's a demand for them Right. And so, but I don't, I do not feel that they should automatically get tags, right? The non-resident should get the tag and then decide whether or not they want to use an outfitter. Right. Yeah. It's I, not, I actually didn't, I actually didn't know that was a thing. And I, I thought you had to draw the tag and then hire the outfitter. Oh yeah, you can. Yep. I mean, yeah. that's a proposed bill. So mm -hmm. as of right now, oh, you gotcha. have to get the I'm tag, then you have to go to the outfitter, I'm not the you. outfitter going, Hey, we got non-resident <laughs> tags for sale and mm -hmm. then those would be jacked up in price right yeah the other the other one is landowners being able to uh, transfer or uh, sell their their landowners tags to whoever they want again increasing the number of tags that are here in iowa and then the one that i feel has the biggest impact on the state uh right now uh, a landowner 
a non-resident landowner, so someone who just owns land in state but does not live here as its primary residence, still has to go through the draw system in our state and still has to go into um, the lot like the 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 preference points and whatever state or unit you're in, you have to do this. Now, a lot of people, this is where a lot of the people that listen to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, they're not from Iowa. So they hear this and some people go, well, that's not right. And I'm sorry, but the the reason Iowa is the number one coveted state and the that tag is the the number one coveted state tag in, in, the, in the entire country is because of the management that we've done up until this point on a state that has little to no public land. It has little to no cover compared to Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and all the other surrounding states, right? It's, it's very limited cover. Most of that cover is to the south of Interstate 80, which is why we have this Mecca. The rules and regulations keep it keep that at uh, the, the quality of our bucks there, our deer herd in check for the most part. And so then if we open up this non-resident uh, landowner to come, what's going to happen is, again, the price of land will go up because non-resident landowners are going to be like, dude, I can go hunt Iowa every year now, buy me land in Iowa, and they'll come. And what usually happens is they displace local hunters. Local hunters don't have anywhere to go because, again, uh, access to the ground is hard because we, we're, we're less than 2%. Um, we're less than 2% of the state is public ground. And so then we have a flood of public land hunters because there's a dis, this displacement, thus making the public land for um, uh, hunting in Iowa very competitive on top of all the non-resident tags that they're, you know, you know, non-residents coming in and, and hunting the public during that, which I'm okay with, but it's just that this, there's this displacement and it just makes it harder for the actual resident to enjoy what we actually are here all year round for. You know, like we pay, I know they pay property taxes, but I live here. I support the communities all year round. I, I buy gas in this state all year round. I go to, the grocery stores in this state all year round, not just one week a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so take, take that however you want it. That's just my personal opinion. And that might get me hated on, but it is what it is. Like, look at what happened in Illinois in the nineties, like Western Illinois in the nineties, you talk to any resident there. And when they felt the boom of the, like the big buck boom and Pike County, just imagine if you were a, a resident and you lived in Pike County, County, Illinois, and all these outfitters came in and all these, you know, the leasing system put into play and all these non-resident landowners started coming in and you got displaced. Like you had to drive to a completely different County to hunt. But I just, I have a feeling that that is like a lot of residents were pissed that that happened. Mm -hmm. So Iowa has the ability to prevent that still keeping Iowa the best state in the country and and then allowing people to come in at a you know at whatever three years four years in some cases five years to draw a tag certain other states or every other or other parts of the state or every other uh, and so it just depends on on what you want to do and, and then then for a non-resident landowner to come in and go hey well that's unfair to us well why did you why did you buy land in this state anyway you're mm -hmm. going to buy land in this state, then you're going to say it's unfair. Well, you should have never bought land in the state <laughs> to begin with, mm -hmm. if that's the if that's the issue for you, right? So it's just what we see in everywhere else. People are leaving California because the the rules and regulations and just life, right, suck <laughs> in California and New York. They're moving to other places and then trying to implement the same political system in those mm -hmm. states. And it's driving the, the, the residents of that state crazy because they don't want to see that kind of change. And mm -hmm. so, I don't know, I, I could go <laughs> on forever about yeah. certain things like that. But um, the whole point of this conversation, though, is there is a silver lining to the cloud. And after going to the, you know, after rallying the troops at the Iowa Deer Classic, after working with the Iowa Bowhunters Association, 
and getting the word out about these crazy bills that are coming into our state, it it really does make me a believer that if we united as if 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 the the hunters of Oklahoma united and we said to the the politicians and we said to the Department of Natural Resources, here is what we would like to see and actually have open communication with them about certain rules and regulations, whatever state you live in. If because one of the one of the questions that I I put in a uh, on there was would you want there's two questions. One was do you would you want your deer your your firearm season pushed into December outside of the rut? And I think it was like 75 to 25, 75% of people said yes, 25% of people said no, right? And so the last time I checked, we were in a democracy, right? (laughs) If more people wanted a certain thing, then we should probably try to work on that, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's unfortunate for the the minority because of that, but I mean, what are you going to do? The whole point of this conversation, though, is that if we band together, and come with a united voice of thousands of people. And we say to these politicians, no, 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 we don't want this rule. And we go to the uh, DNR and say, hey, we would like to see this happen. What would the impact be? Because we can't go into the Department of Natural Resources and, and say, there's a, there's 10,000 of us who want this, make it happen. Because that's the wrong way to look at it. The, wrong, the right way to look at it is, there's 10,000 of us who want this to happen what would be the impact on the natural resource if this rule goes through? And so I feel like people still have the power to do that, to, to make these changes. Um, and all we have to do is unite, work together, and, and just let everybody know that, you know, the outdoorsmen and the hunters in this state, we don't want to be messed with. Right. And so keep all the politics out of the natural resource world and just manage the natural natural resource. And we will be the say of if we like, you know, we, we, if we like it or not. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I kind of a- took up a whole amen. bunch of time. There. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, amen. No, I love it. Uh, no, I, I the whole time I was thinking I got the two quick things for you. Um if I let's say I moved to Iowa tomorrow, this is for your your Iowa people and yourself. Yeah. If I moved to Iowa tomorrow, there's probably two things I would say. One, if you if you really want to protect your deer herd and everything like that, I think the of all the things you just mentioned, I think the biggest one is the out of state landowners not yeah. letting out of state landowners have automatic tags because I can yeah. promise you, if that were to pass, half of Texas would be up there tomorrow buy oh, yeah. land and have and you know all those tags uh yeah. people like myself and all over so i i think out of all the things you mentioned i think that's probably the biggest one in protecting yourselves yeah and two uh this is kind of like an outsider's in so I, I i have never hunted iowa i actually hope to be there this fall um i bought my first iowa point and i believe 2016 and yeah. still have not got to hunt it yet uh no i haven't actually applied yet but so i i got one point the next year I forgot, so I missed a year, and then I put in every year since. So I have five points, which took me six years to get, and then yeah. this is my seventh my seventh year. I'm actually going to apply to try to get the tag. So, so just for you and you know all you Iowans, you know a little bit of relief. Like it's it really is difficult to get one of these tags, you know, and so. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not saying y'all should bump, you know, and let more out of state people in, but I think even if you did, I don't think that would be the end of the world. You know, um, right. I don't know, I don't know how many out of state people come and hunt Oklahoma and Texas, but I can probably promise you it's over six thousand. You know, yeah. Um, and we still have a lot of really great deer, so that's uh, meant to be kind of an encouragement, you guys. Obviously, I know y'all yeah. probably like to keep it to keep it limited, um. But yeah, but like I said, kind of as an outsider in, like, I am looking forward to hunting Iowa so much. And I think I, listening to you and other people from Iowa, like, I have realistic goals. Like, when I go to Iowa, I'm I'm going knowing that there's a good chance I will not kill the biggest buck of my entire life just because I'm hunting in Iowa. You know, just, I'm not yeah. going to go there and just all of a sudden the 220 is going to show up on public <laughs> land or anywhere I get from it. You know, like, I, I know that. Right. Um, for me, 
going to Iowa uh, and experiencing, you know, an Iowa hunt, I'm excited to see that crazy rut, you know, like a doe goes by and there's seven bucks chasing after her and there's just deer running everywhere. Like that's, that's why I want to go hunt Iowa. I want to, I want to have that just crazy rut experience where you have just deer everywhere, big bucks running around. Hopefully I'll kill one. Um, But, and I think for people listening, a lot of people need to realize that because I think, just talking to people and and listening to other podcasts, I think a lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to go to Iowa and kill the biggest buck in my entire life. And and maybe you come from a state where, you know, 140 is going to be the biggest buck of your entire life. And I think that's very doable in Iowa. <laughs> Excuse me. But, uh, you know, if you're a, 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 a hardcore hunter and you have some decent spots to hunt, go for the experience. Don't necessarily go thinking you're going to tag a state record. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, that's all about setting expectations for yourself. And, and just kind of to, to reiterate here, uh, to anybody who's listening, that I feel if you have a problem, there's other people out there who have the same problem. And, and so, especially when it comes to the hunting rules and regulations in your state, I really feel that if hunters united in, in in whatever state that you live in, if you united and you worked together, because a lot of times I feel like the the outdoorsman has been dismissed so many times by the government or by whatever organization, they've they've just said, eh, it's not worth voicing my opinion anymore. And so you, you you've decided to voice your opinion, not voice your opinion, and then the rules and regulations get passed. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're even more unhappy with the the state of your natural resource, whatever natural resource that is. And so the time to get the change, and even you know, even for someone, let's let's just say ninety nine percent of Iowa or ninety nine percent of people in a given state don't like a rule and regulation. Well, I feel that even though there's a rule and regulation passed and that a majority of the people don't like if you worked together if you united and if you communicated properly those those rules and regulations will definitely be changed because politicians uh they want to be in a job they want to be a politician and if you tell them hey man uh if you if you don't support this i have x number of people over here who will not vote for you again next year and so as far as the natural resources is concerned, I still think the outdoorsmen in any given state have the power to rise up and communicate with the Department of Natural Resources and the politicians and say, we're not going to take this shit anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And we want to see some different rules and regulations. So don't give up is what I'm I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I, yeah. Hope, I hope that makes sense. So. Well, I know I did. <laughs> I know I kind of got heated there and did a lot of the talking towards the end. Um, Good. What, what's the uh, uh, the overall state of of Oklahoma? Let's just say the over mm. the overall feel, the overall vibe. Would you say that uh, the, the the residents in your state are happy with the current rules and regulations? I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. I think uh, out of all of them, you know, I think the one one tag for out-of-staters would probably be an awesome change. Um, but I think overall people are pretty happy. Gotcha. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and, and uh, BS with me a little bit about this. We, Whenever I, I have a podcast like this, it is, it, they're usually based off of an emotion, right? Something that's making me mad or making me happy or, or frustrating me. And I don't feel that rules and regulations should be made based off of emotions, right? I think it needs to be science, right? Everything that every decision about a natural resource needs to be science-based, needs to be studied. It needs to be um, like, that's how proper management is done through through science, if, if you ask me. And sometimes based off of, let's just say weather or drought or disease or something like that, those rules and regulations will need to be micromanaged a little bit based off of that Mm -hmm. but for the most part right let science and data do the talking and then the emotion can come after that Uh, so Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. That's just kind of the way I feel about, about that. But uh, uh, but again, John, man, I really do appreciate uh, your <laughs> nah, time, man. Absolutely, man. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I, I love this stuff. So. And there you have it. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to John. I, I know I... I took up a lot of the time and I, I want to get him back on again, but I, uh, once I get rocking and rolling on something that I'm really passionate about, it's uh, <laughs> it becomes the Dan Johnson show. And I, I do apologize about that. Uh, so anyway, thank you very much. Please go out and voice your opinions. Let everybody know what you feel. Gather with like-minded individuals and then take those uh, um, th- that voice to the Department of Natural Resources, to the uh, you know the politicians in your area, and let them know, hey man, don't mess with our wildlife, right? Let's manage it, but let's not mess with it. And uh, there's a lot of people out there who do not have the natural resources best interest in mind, just dollar amounts. And so uh, that's where we need to step in, and we need to have this voice and let everybody know. Uh-uh don't tread on me type of a, type of a speech. So um, huge shout out to John, huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Hunt Stand, and Vortex. And then also go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, let everybody know how awesome the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast is. And also let everybody know about the Sportsman's Empire and uh, let, let them know how badass that uh, network is as well. So Thank you. Good vibes in, good vibes out. If you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good weekend.